The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. We continue to explore future events as revealed through the pages of scripture, focusing on what we can be sure about. We discuss the rejuvenation of Jerusalem, the keeping of God's promises to the Jewish people, and the millennial kingdom. If we read, hear, and do, we shall overcome whatever trials, temptations, and uncertainties might otherwise plague us. Prophecy is a great gift for clarifying what is ours to steward. Let's go to Zechariah 14. I think it's the same event. Zechariah chapter 14. Let's start in verse 3. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives is a ridge just to the east of Jerusalem. Uh, it's a maybe 500-foot elevation. It's not very tall. And if you see a picture of the Mount of Olives, go Google it or something. There's all these graves all over the Mount of Olives because the Jews understood this prophecy to mean Messiah is going to come, and they wanted to be first. If you get buried on the Mount of Olives, you get a you know, first in line, so to speak which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west. Mount of Olives is a north-south ridge. So this thing's going to split in two. You get this picture in your mind? Making a very large valley. So it's going to split in two, and not only just a little crack, but a really large valley. Now on the west of of Jerusalem is the Mediterranean Sea. To the east of Jerusalem is the Jordan Valley. As a matter of fact, you can see the Jordan Valley off in the distance. And and not, not far in, you can see the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is way below sea level. It's called the Dead Sea because why? It's so salty, nothing lives in it, except right around the edges where the water pours in, there's tiny little life there. It's kind of a prelude of what's, what we're about to see. Half toward the north, half toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee. I think Azal is about six miles away. You shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come, and all the saints with you. Doesn't that sound like the same episode? The Lord God. And who's the Lord God? Who is it in Revelation? It's Jesus, right? Because Jesus is the Lord God. And all the saints with you. So here's all these people. It's got this train of army behind him all in their white robes on horses. And it shall come in that day. There'll be no night. The lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day or night, but at evening time it shall happen. That will be light. And in that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem. Now right now there's no waters coming out of Jerusalem. So something new is going to happen here. It's going to be water coming up here. And what's it going to do? Half toward the eastern sea and half toward the western sea. Both in summer and winter it shall occur. So some kind of artesian spring is going to happen. Then the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be the Lord is one and His name one. 
All the land shall be turned into a plain from Geba to Ramon, south of Jerusalem. I think this is a... I'm not sure how far this is, maybe 20 miles or something, but... Jerusalem shall be raised up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate to the place of the first gate and the corner gate and from the tower of Hanel to the king's wine presses. The people shall dwell in it and no longer shall there be utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. And this shall be the plague that the Lord strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. So, We've got Zechariah here. We've got Revelation basically predicting the same event. Jesus is going to come down and he's going to strike the uh, oppressors. He's going to clean things up and he's going to install his kingdom. Uh, It's interesting too to look at uh, Ezekiel 47. I think it's talking about this same event. Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel 47, verse 6. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of a river. The river. When I returned, this is Ezekiel 47, 6. When I returned there, along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region, which goes down into the valley. This is the Jordan Valley. And enters the sea. That's the Dead Sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. It'll be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to in Egalalem, and they will be places for spreading their nets. Now, today, if you go to the Dead Sea, there's a lot of activity there, but it's all mining. They're mining the salts and the minerals out of the sea, and they make uh, beauty products and stuff out of it, and industrial products. There's no fishing because there's no fish in the sea, and it's quite an amazing experience. You can, you, it's so dense water, you you float no matter what you do. Uh, but that's not going to be the case. It's going to be live because of this water flowing down from the Mount of Olives into the Dead Sea. Now, the, the reason I'm going through these things uh, is not only just so you can see kind of this event that's going to take place, but also you can see it's this is not a new earth. It's a changed earth, but it's not a new earth. We're going to study the new earth next week. And the new earth is a different kind of animal. This is the Jerusalem we know with the Mount of Olives that we know with this change of this split and this valley and the Dead Sea that we know except now it's been rejuvenated. And one of the things that's interesting to me in Christianity and theology is that among you know regular people, most people think that you know there's a thousand year reign in a literal kingdom, but most theologians do not. There's a very marked bias against the idea of a thousand year reign. And I'm not sure why that is, but my opinion is because the reason for the thousand year reign is to completely resolve all the promises God made to Israel. His promises and gifts are irrevocable. And we as Gentiles, I think most of us in here are Gentiles, have been grafted into this root of Israel, but we've not replaced it. We're supplemental. But these promises to Abraham because of the fathers will all be kept. 
And the dominant stream in Christian theology is that God actually changed his mind and revoked all those promises by substituting the church in for Israel because they rejected him. That's the, that's the dominant theology. It started with Augustine, 500 A.D. So it's been dominant for 1,500 years. And I think that's just... And, and, and that sowed the seeds of anti-Semitism in the medieval church, which was rampant. There were multiple times where uh, the Jews were burnt out, uh, you know, Christ killers. There was uh, multiple times where, well, you know, in, in uh, Nazi Germany, you know, Martin Luther, unfortunately, was very anti-Semitic, and his writings f- formed the basis of this anti-Semitism. And you know, we are a Jewish religion. We've been grafted in. And one of the opportunities I think we have is to embrace this. And embracing Judaism is not very easy because the Jewish people are, according to Scripture, what? Stiff-necked and unlovable, right? That's, he said, I, I chose you in spite of you, who you, what you're like. Uh, but it's reality. And it's what we're supposed to do, part of our calling, is to bring them back through jealousy. That they look and say, you know, those, those goyim, they... they uh, they, we should be living like them. What do they have that we don't have? This is all Romans 11. So I think this is actually very, very important. Let's look at the thousand-year reign. Revelation 20. Most the re, and I'm not mo, mo, for the most part for uh, air. You know, pockets of theologians who don't like Israel's promises being fulfilled and don't like the millennial kingdom. For the most part, they just don't talk about it. I I saw one website that was uh, reform. This is usually called reform theology. And they said, uh, we're not dispensational. uh, And we're not... um, See, we're not dispensational. And we don't think you can really know... But we don't think you can really know all that much about the future. So we just don't want to talk about it basically. Chapter 20. Then I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, the abyss, and a great chain in his hand. He laid over the dragon, that serpent of old. Isn't this an awesome picture? You get the picture in your mind, this, this angel with this giant chain, and he goes down there, there's this raging dragon, and he says, down boy, down boy, get it here, 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 here. Puts this chain around him, goes and throws him in this pit. That serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So during this thousand year reign, no Satan. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. Set a seal on him so he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while. And I saw a throne, and, and amazingly, when he's released for a little bit, this has got a thousand-year reign. We'll, we'll look at a few verses here, how wonderful it is during this thousand-year reign. And the Satan's released for a little while. What do people do? They, they, gather, they gather up an army and go attack Jesus again. It's like, why? Didn't you? That's just the way we are. And I released, and I saw thrones, and they sat on them. This is the overcomers. And judgment was committed to them. 
See, we're supposed to be judging angels because we have learned through faith how to gain the wisdom of Jesus in serving. Then I saw souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus in the Word of God. If you read through 4 through 19, it's going to be a time of mass bloodshed among believers. And, and millions are going to come to Jesus in this, in this tribulation period. Uh, there's going to be a massive revival, and many of them will lose their, their necks as a result of their, their heads, as a result of their witness. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So this is another way to become an overcomer, to be martyred during the tribulation period. But the rest of the dead didn't live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. During the early church, they had a problem that they ran into. The problem was that they had a lot of believers that acted in a very... Um, reckless manner toward the authorities because they wanted to be caught and martyred. Because they understood that was a shortcut to being an overcomer. And they had to say, no, 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 that's not for you to decide. You need to live and serve faithfully. Let God determine that. What's that? They had a little bit of a you know, mixed up idea about it. You know, there's a reason why this, the Muslim jihad and these other things are what they are. Marxism's this way. Change the world in one generation and make it perfect. Today we have to lie, cheat, steal, kill, but that's only until we get rid of the enemies and then we'll make it better. It's the same basic thing that Jesus is saying here, except it's man in charge instead of God in charge. Basically, all evil systems are a perversion of something that's true. Evil doesn't exist on its own. Well, what's it going to be like during this thousand years? Let's look at Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountain and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. So here's Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the center. That's where the, that's where the, king, the, king, the center of the world government is and all the nations are coming there. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways. We shall walk in His paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law. Do you know what Hebrew word that is? Anybody know? Torah. I've been doing a lot of uh, looking at this word Torah, and I'm starting to think it's basically the same idea as logos, the Word of God. It's much greater than just the uh, written Word. It's the essence of God Himself that He first gave to us propositionally. But then he's now writing it on his, our hearts through the Spirit and eventually will completely permeate us and make this wonderful world. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, He shall judge between the nations, rebuke many peoples. They'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. And they ain't going to study war no more. Save the children! Save the people. 
Okay. Isaiah 11. You see, there's all kinds of songs in the Bible. Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch will grow from his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, knowledge and fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness. He shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. This will be him and his throne and all the saints that that are doing it with him. So it's going to be a perfect system. With the breath of his lips, he'll slay the wicked. Righteousness will be in the belt of his loins. Faithfulness is belt of the waist. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and fatling together. A little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hold, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isn't that awesome? What's happened to nature? It's been redeemed. It's all vegetarian again. You know, there were no meat eaters until after Noah's flood. I'm sure there'll be a blessing in that somewhere. Right now, I can't think of it. (laughs) Maybe there'll be some kind of new animal to have barbecued ribs. (laughs) Keith, I know there'll be some job for you in heaven. Yeah, there's no more war among people, and there's no more enmity among nature. So I, just, I love birds. We have martin houses in our backyard. And I just like to go out there and watch those little guys. And they get used to you, you know, every spring when they come in and they'll sit there and chirp and everything. Well, it's just going to be like you can just walk up and say, hey, come on down here and let me talk to you. And they land on your shoulder and you visit with them for a while. It's, the nature is going to be restored. So you get the picture. So, what's the big points? There's a new, there's a new world coming. Uh, it's going to first be a millennial kingdom where the earth is still the earth. There'll be people. Uh, there's a verse somewhere, I forgot to look this one up, uh, that says uh, death will be so rare you get a front page headline when somebody dies. So there'll still be mortals on the earth. Um, justice will prevail. Nature will be restored. And then at the end... Jesus goes and lets out Satan for a little time and they rebel again. And then you get the new heavens and the new earth. We'll do that next week. We'll end this week with another song. This is Music Day. This song comes from Revelation chapter 5. Worthy chapter 5 verse 12. Saying with the, and let me just read the starting in 9. They sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God. Remember when we went through Hebrews? 
we had a better king with a better administration and a better world and a better priest with a better sacrifice and a better covenant. And Jesus in the book of Hebrews inviting us to participate in both of those ministries. And we participate by doing what? Serving and obeying. And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.